Hey, 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 closet busters and bold move makers. It is time once again for Life Uncloset. So I want you to gather around because it is time once again to kick down those closet doors of your life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens. I'm the bold move expert and that coming out guy who's going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloset. So come on along with me and grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step into facing your fears, making your bold moves, and living life without apologies. Now let's get to the show. For just a moment, I want you to imagine that you got a song within you, you got some music pulsing through your veins, but before that, you were this little queer kid in the middle of a cattle ranch in a small Wyoming town trying to figure out, okay, how do I do this? Well, from being influenced by Bon Jovi and Blondie and a few other great singers, Bonnie Raitt, today's guest is a singer-songwriter who I'm so excited to have on the show because she has just released her debut solo, and it's called First Light. Her name is Alicia Kraft, and I just love interviewing new singer-songwriters who are getting their words out there in the world, their music, and putting some vibes out there to like get people to think, and especially when they're part of our own queer community, like let's celebrate people and what they are really talented at. So I'm going to kind of shut the fuck up and say, let's bring Alicia Craft here. <laughs> let's get it hearing about her and her life. And um, thanks for joining us this morning. I so appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure. Well, cool. So, okay. So we've already figured out we have some commonalities. We both grew up on farms and ranches and uh, you're in Colorado. I was somewhat raised in Colorado for a few years of my life, but um, mm -hmm. must've been an interesting little journey on the ranch, right? Like here you are, this queer little kid, but trying to figure it all out. So why don't we kind of like, let's start there. That's probably a good place to get rolling. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. It is cool that we share some commonalities and, and have endured some of the same landscapes, I think. Um, yeah. I think my earliest memories as a little kid, um, I always felt, I felt pretty aware of the fact that I was queer from mm -hmm. a really young age, yeah. um, and, and equally aware that I needed to keep that a big secret oh, and yeah. that I needed to basically figure out a place to sort of bury that, um, and plan a lengthy escape route and figure out how to how to eventually get to a place where I could you know be myself um but I had no no examples I mean as far as I knew I was right. maybe the only real gay person in the world um mm -hmm. I mean there thank god for like the indigo girls um nice. <laughs> because you know that was the first time I was like yeah I'm, I'm pretty sure they're lesbians and that's hopeful um, but yeah, just had had very little sense of how much, um, how many queers there were in the world and that mm -hmm. eventually someday I would find them and, and live a much better, freer life. But yeah, I, I think my earliest memories are like feeling a lot of loneliness and a lot of mm -hmm. longing and um, figuring out sort of how to be tough and invest myself 
in the things that I was doing in order to kind of hide and survive that time, you know? Mm, that's a good way to put it. Hide and survive. Um, mm -hmm. I, I remember, I remember growing up in Colorado and at the time we're talking John Denver and Elton John, you know, these were the people, right? And everybody just loving on Elton John. But then there was like this undertow of, oh, but you know, but you know, right? And of course, you know, Federer Mercury and all those were just really starting to come out on the scene. But yet again, oh my gosh, they're so extreme, but oh, we love their music. And then suddenly here was George Michael and Wham. And of course I'm like, but wait, here's right. Duran Duran and all these people like, Okay, so everybody loves this, but oh, they can't love me, little gay boy, right? Even though I didn't really, I hadn't really processed through that. I mean, I knew, but it was like we hide, we hide, we hide. And then, you know, here I live on a rural little farm in Colorado, and then we moved from there to lovely Arkansas. So didn't get much yeah. better. But it was one of those places in my own head, especially when I looked at musicians and, you know, the entertainment space. It's like, okay people are kind of bowing down to these people, but we're acting like this other thing doesn't exist. And I'm yeah. wondering if you kind of felt that same way. Like there's just like, we're not going to talk about it, but we acknowledge it's there. But my God, if we either one of us opened our mouths in our communities, oh my gosh, it could have been like devastating. At, you know, just to yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I, it's such an interesting point that you bring up because I... I was actually, I think, able to come out because of performance, because mm, of mm -hmm. playing in a rock and roll band. When I was in my early 20s, I started a band called Patty Fiasco. And, um, you know, given the stage and like that actual, you know, that separation. Right. And in an ability to kind of like perform queerness from a position of like some safety and some power and. Um, I mean, that really was my first outlet to sort of express myself and be who I was. And, and that band developed um, a, a queer following. And, we, you know, as we were playing through different places in Wyoming, it just became this platform for me to to express queerness. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you know, like coming back home and sort of integrating in social environments I had this other, you know, performative ability, which was to be as, you know, figuring out the temperature in the room and how gay I could be in any scenario, right. you know, in order to be safe, um, yeah. which was this weird dichotomy, you know, yeah. uh, of, of being like very queer and powerful on stage and then having to essentially like really adjust that um in different environments and i feel like with this with this like solo album and with this debut um you know it's almost the first time that i've felt as comfortable being myself on stage and being myself in my hometown but it is interesting what you just brought up alicia because any of us who are performers i mean i was in theater theater and dance and stuff when I was I didn't start till I was in college really doing a lot of that I was in theater quite a bit through my younger years but um it wasn't until college that I'm like okay I'm going down this path and oh look 
I'm kind of surrounded by people who I think are kind of like me. But even then, I mean, I was in college in the 80s, right? So it's like, mm, let's not really talk about this, right? But I remember one of my directors for one of the musicals, and I was just like, oh, he is just, I mean, he is so queer, right? He's such a fag. I mean, that's what I'm saying in my own head. I'm going, wait, bitch, so right. are you, right? And um, yet, even as a professor who was married, and I, I would, he's one of the people from my past, I'd like, I would love to have run into him and go, so are you still married to a woman? Because, you know, I don't believe you possibly, and maybe he could, maybe, I mean, I'm not knocking guys who are come off as queer and they're not really queer, but it was just so obvious. But yet because of the environment we were in, we were in a church, you know, college. Um, he pushed some envelopes in the performance space. And yet what would happen for me, and I now know because of other people who were in that space who, you know, suddenly were all out and queer, right? It's like we did this one character on stage that kind of gave us the freedom to be probably the closest thing to our true queer selves in that time. And then as soon as the curtain drops and the makeup's off and the costumes are off, we go back to this whole other performance of who we're supposed to be. Yeah, absolutely. And it was a constant battle, you know? And yeah. I think for me, it was one of the things that planted the seed of just keep hiding this under the rug just hide it under the rug just mm -hmm. hide it under the rug so i'm curious for you it sounds like it was pretty similar like hey i can be this but then suddenly i have to come off stage and come home to and kind of how do i reintegrate absolutely yeah yeah really similar experience you know it's it's so interesting i mean art I think affords us all an avenue to like explore that expression. And, and I wonder, I mean, I'm just thinking about my own experience and wondering if it's a combination. I mean, I think it's a combination of like all of the work that the queer community has done in terms of visibility and advocacy and, um, you know, basically making space for us to be more, ourselves in every environment you know and also the the times I mean you talk about like um being queer in the 80s versus being queer in the 90s versus being queer in 2010 versus right. now like so much um so much has changed just in the span of like my 20s in terms of what I'm able to do and who I'm able to be and how free I feel in that expression mm -hmm. And I'm so inspired by this younger generation um, who are, you know, I feel in so many ways just rejecting, um, rejecting yeah. gender, rejecting uh, heterosexuality, <laughs> rejecting right. patriarchy. You know, it's just like, um, it's, it's cool to feel that fire coming up. Well, it is. And and I know for me, I feel the same way. I'm watching and I have two, I have two millennials in my life, my daughters. Mm -hmm. And even to see how they just like, nope, not going to accept this, you know, and to see that power and that, you know, I feel the same way at this point, but I'm, you know, I'm going to be, I'm going to be 59 in a couple of weeks. So I'm kind of to the stage where I'm like, fuck it. I don't give a shit what you think. You know, I truly right. don't, but my fuck it don't give a shit is completely different in so many ways than the younger generations like fuck it 
not going to deal with this, right? Similar vibes, but it comes from two different spaces. I've lived it. You know, Mm -hmm. you and I have lived a lot of this to some degrees. What I see is the bravery flag flying high for this younger generation is they've they've kind of started living some of it. They're like, oh, no, 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 no. This mm-hmm. is not going to go down on my watch. You know, this 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 is done. We it stops with us. Now I'm not saying every younger generation because we have the wing nuts in those generations too that yeah. you know, but it's something that I feel like what you're doing with your music and getting these kind of, you know, artistic moves out there with like first light it's like this is where we're going. So give us a little insight about what was the inspiration behind first light. Well, so like I said before, I mean, I've, I've had kind of a long history in other bands um, yep. and this solo project sort of began out of necessity during the pandemic. You know, it was just mm-hmm. like all of a sudden um, the national tour that I was supposed to go on with my band Whippoorwill was canceled and we couldn't get into a room together. Um, and so I just started making music by myself, but I was going through a big, um, I think a lot in terms of, you know, you were speaking to the fact that that we've lived this experience of of having to sort of have a closeted existence and to like come out sort of again and again and again and be more um, true to ourselves as that progresses. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, I'm also, I'm a person in recovery. I've been sober for about four years. And I just went through this big phase of being like, I need to be more honest about who I am. And right. I can't continue to be in these situations where I'm, where I'm adjusting myself to make other people comfortable with my queerness. I can't keep doing that. It's not, it's not, um, it's not honoring the people who have, basically paved a space for me to be myself. It's not honoring this next generation of people who are being brave in their expression, you know? Um, and, and so I really had to deal with a lot of my shit and get yep. a lot of my own baggage out of the way. And in a lot of ways, this album was my way of working through that. And I think because life was at a bit of a standstill in the pandemic, I was referencing these really big moments in my life, you know, Um, like the first time that I kissed a girl and felt completely alive for the first time, the kind of like torment of, of relationships in an environment where they couldn't be fully open and honest. Um, And then these moments of like liberation and in sort of living the like, okay, fuck it. Like, right. I, I am over it, but I had to like go through the desert of it. Um, and so this, this album for me, like I didn't realize it as I was working on it. Um, but I was really working through a lot of the things that I needed to let go of in order to like fully express myself. Yep. And it's one of those things that as you continue to confront it, you do realize <clears throat> if I don't confront this, I'm not helping myself, number one, nor am I actually contributing to the world in a greater way than I can. And this was a biggie for me because coming out late in life, 
you know, there was a lot of history and I'm not, you know, I'm not putting myself up on a pedestal. There's hundreds of people who have come out late in life, but to realize, okay, I've had two kids. I've been in a 13 year marriage to a woman and I denied myself back when I was 19 in college by going back in the closet. And when you finally do get to that space where this is not healthy for me, I know there's going to be pain. I know there's going to be stuff, but knowing that when you confront it, there's almost a relief that comes in confronting some of this and allowing it to come to the surface and bubble up, whether it's like through word, writing a book, doing music like you do, or even just like saying it out loud, like, hey, this is where we are. I am queer and okay, it's been said, it's been done, right? Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean we're it's done and over, but there's so much power in bringing our truth to the world. Totally. And, and it's so, I don't know if people say, well, how do you know, sometimes people you say, well, how do you just get through a day? I'm like, well, because I finally started living my truth every day yeah. now as an opportunity to continue to live that truth, especially in these crazy fucked up times where you seem to be rolling back again. Right. Yeah. So as a musician and everybody's like, well, you know, musicians, entertainers, all there's just lots of queer people out there. Okay. Yes. But that doesn't mean the path being in the industry is any easier. So I'm curious for you, because I've interviewed a lot of different musicians and especially like people in country music. They're like, oh, oh yeah, it's a it's a it's a different ball game altogether. But you seem to kind of be on that cool, hip, cutting edge vibe where some people would assume, oh, you know, she's kind of in the group that, hey, everybody would say, oh, yeah, we you know, the queer and they're suddenly embraced. My guess is you're not 100% embraced everywhere you go with your music. Yeah. I mean, it, it's been really important to me to, to play music and to show up in the spaces where I could have used, I would have loved to see a gay person, you know? Right. And I would have loved to see a, a powerful queer person living their truth and expressing themselves you know so I think like I have always thought that it's valuable in music to kind of go where you're a novelty and so I play a lot in Wyoming um, I play a lot in rural spaces in Colorado I want to make that more a part of like my mission and my focus going forth mm -hmm. um, and it's important I mean I it you know, in previous projects, um, in my last band, Whippoorwill, it was a project where my ex-girlfriend and I um, shared songwriting duties mm -hmm. for that band. And we were we weren't like extremely public about our relationship for two reasons. First of all, you just get stereotyped immediately. Like people will hear your band and be like, oh, I know what you remind me of, this other lesbian that I heard sing Roots music one time. You know, um, you get sort of limited into this space of, um, you, know, you know, like in certain forms of music and in certain spaces. Right. It's, it's still just very, very limited. Um, mm -hmm. But again, you know, I'm, I'm now in this place with my own project where it feels like 
I can make all, I can call all the shots. I can ultimately take responsibility for, for anything that gets thrown my way, but it is super important to me to keep showing up in spaces that make people uncomfortable. And, um, honestly, that probably make me a little uncomfortable too. Mm -hmm. Just, you just just said something really important though. I think this is one of the biggest pieces of coming out and being who you are is when you realize you get to call the shots. That's a huge piece. And I don't mean that from like a, let's be assholes, but I get to call the shots on who I come out to. I get to call the shots on if I even choose, which I don't, I don't choose to hide anywhere at this stage of my life. I'm like, no, this is who I am. You know, I'm, you know, obviously I do this podcast and a lot of other stuff, but I, I choose to call the shots and I wish anybody who's listening, like I'm really struggling I wish you could embrace that this is just another piece of the puzzle. When you do come out, even how you come out and who you come out to and how you live your queer life, you get to choose to call the shots on how you do all that. And don't let anybody in our queer community also tell you, well, you're not queer enough or you're not gay enough or you're not bi enough or lesbian enough. No, the beauty of being out and proud is you do it the way that works for you. Yes. So true. And it's a challenge. Mm -hmm. So going back to our lovely little roots of kids on ranches, I know for me, the feelings were there. Um, There were lots of things that had already happened in my world. Like, okay, well, I guess I do like guys because I was sexually awakened by somebody older in my life. I'm like, okay, well, now I understand this. I get why I always look at men and go, oh, look, look at that junk between their legs. That turns me on. Or I look at men and like, oh yeah, really, you know, there's lots of things there. It wasn't, did not turn me gay. I say this every time I bring that story up, it did not turn me gay. But sitting there on the ranch, it was like, okay, there were certain times I could kind of be myself, but I was doing it my way to protect myself. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious when you roll back and think about your time, high, you know, quote unquote there, even though you were pretty self-identified in your own queerness, what was some of the stuff that you know you did growing up that's like, I'm choosing to do this my way and this really worked for me? And I'll give you an example of one thing I did to kind of set this up for the audience is I wrote a couple of my own plays and I was, okay, so I'm talking, when we lived on Western Slope, Colorado, I went to, believe it or not, a one-room schoolhouse, literally. I, I did too. Oh, here we go. Again. Grade school, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, it was a Seventh-day Adventist little church school, and I'm like, okay. And so I wrote a couple of very, you know, I was moved by the Holy Spirit, all that good stuff, which I'm not knocking. I mean, I'm, I'm glad for that experience too. But I remember as I was writing that first play, thinking, I wonder if my creativity is coming from a space that I haven't even really, don't even really understand yet. Mm. And that was the first time I'm like, okay, I can do this, but I can't, I can't show too much. And then the next thing that happened is I started doing art and I'm like, well, you can do this, but don't be too, you know, you still got to go show up and play foot, you know, well, we didn't play, well, we did kind of play little football and stuff like that because we were small. 20 some odd kids in this whole schoolhouse. So it wasn't a whole lot. Right. But I found myself like push the envelope, but then pull it back, push the envelope and then pull it back. So Mm -hmm. I'm curious, did you find yourself in kind of that same sort of space? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I think the thing that I did 
and that I did for a lot of years. I'm trying to think of, I'm still doing this, but, um, I just really rejected anyone's ability to see me in one dimension. You know, I, I was, um, I was like really involved in sports. I was a really good basketball player as a kid. Um, again, you know, our towns were small. It, it, yep. I was sort of limited and, and I think I was drawn to basketball because there were probably some lesbians mm-hmm. in the mix, you know, on some <laughs> right. levels, um, uh, sports you know being an incredibly homophobic institution at the time and still in women's sports um but I was very artistic um I painted I wrote compulsively I hadn't started playing music at the time at this Mm. at this point I was determined to be a writer a visual artist right um but I just wanted to be very dimensional and so that people you know, it was like they could never really understand all of me. And I think that, you know, in what you're saying about creativity coming from from somewhere, um, yep. you know, a lot of my creativity came from longing and came from that space of really wanting to connect with people in a real way, um, really wanting to reject outwardly the the social norms that were basically confining me and I loved what you said about the ability to come out in the way that you want to and define your truth in the way that you want to I think we tend to think of creative outlets being like art or music or writing but everything we do is is creative um Mm -hmm. you know the, the way that we dress and the way that we speak and the energy that we you know contribute to others or the energy that we mix with others is creative energy. And, and I think that one thing that's been really liberating to me, um, as of recently is realizing that my creativity isn't relegated to the music that I make and it's happening every moment with every, every word that I say in every, every moment that I'm moving through the world, you know, um, and I think that speaks to like the ways that we show up in queerness for ourselves and others and, and how we, you know, create spaces to be more true. Well, and I think part of the creating spaces, I love that creating spaces to be more true is also seeing things like a simple shift in using the word queer. Back in my day, that was like, you do not call anybody queer, right? It's right. like, oh my God, so offensive, right? But then to see this new movement of let's create this umbrella. Okay. This is the umbrella word, you know, and I, I know there's older people, a little older than myself that at first I found a little bit offensive and they're like, wait, wait, <laughs> obviously doing this work and being on podcast. I'm like, okay, bitch, you, you got to like kind of find your way or, you know, justify why you find it offensive. And then once I'm like, why do I find it offensive? Hey, it was only because of personal experience at first, right? Kind of like fag. I nobody can make me feel offended these days by calling me fag unless it's some right wing person. Even then, I'm like, you know what? (laughs) Really? That's all you got is calling me fag or queer. I'm like, (laughs) 
<laughs> okay, well, you know, nice try, but you know, let's let's talk about you and your weird things around pedophilia and ten year olds getting pregnant. Now we got a conversation going on, right? Right. right so, right. Um, but um, I've also found that this embracing and making room for the newness of who we continue to grow and be. You know, again, I think I already said it, you know, I'm going to be 59 years old in a couple of weeks. And if I roll back to 36 when I came out of the closet and how I felt then versus how I feel now, completely different ball game. I was, everybody's going to embrace me and this is how it's going to be. And, you know, I was gay, gay, gay. And then I'm like, oh, I'm just, I am just so not gay, gay, gay. I mean, I'm gay and I love my gayness, but I love my gayness that works for me. Mm -hmm. And when we don't make room to create the safe spaces for everyone to be queer their way, we're hurting each other as much as everybody outside of our queer community is hurting us. And that's mm -hmm. where I feel like, again, coming back to your music and you sharing and the feelings and stuff that you put into the music and the words and everything to help somebody realize, oh, yeah, that's that's kind of how I feel or how I see it. This is what I find so powerful for artists to be part of this, like, hey, I'm going to put this out there, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Such and a I big thing. I think it's like, it's so important. You, you bring up such good points, you know, and I, I really think some themes on First Light are being really gentle to a oneself and others in the in that journey of exploration and understanding you know and and just giving yourself space to evolve and to trust that that is all happening all the time i mean i think one thing one thing that feels true of like recovery and sobriety to me and also to to like queerness is that when you start living in your truth, it starts kind of like demanding different things mm -hmm. of you. You know, I mean, I think even in the past year, I've I've gone through a really, really dramatic change in like uh, thinking about so many things that that I hadn't really considered before. You know, I've been. Um, I have more trans friends than I have in, in other points of time in my life. And like thinking about how maybe I haven't shown up as much for trans people as, as I should have in trying to have a better understanding of, you know, what everyone's sort of up against in this conversation around gender and like thinking about gender for myself and, thinking about how queerness is, you know, not only a way of like identifying in terms of sexuality, but also like identifying socially and politically. And, um, you know, like you said, it, it seems like we're in this space of really encountering um, some pretty violent oppression again. Yep. And, yep. and so it's like <laughs> figuring out how to show up for this stuff in this moment feels extra um, important. But and I think this is also one of the beauties of showing up for yourself, period. Right. I love that you brought this up, that it's like, it is this, it's happening all the time. It's a continuum. It's so interesting, Alicia, because when people come to work with you, they're like, okay, so once I do this, it's 
yeah, we're done. I'm like, fuck, no, it's not done by any stretch of the imagination. You know, every day, even, you know, even this podcast airing is uh, the two of us coming out yet once again, you know, because we don't know who's going to listen to this, you know. Mm -hmm. And what I find so powerful is that gentleness you brought up. And that ability to like, okay, let's just give ourselves a little bit of space to really go explore. Because, and this is when I usually get myself in trouble, so I know I'm going to do this. Maybe you're not queer. Maybe you're just curious. Being curious doesn't necessarily make you gay, bi, whatever. You're going to try something. I have coached some people who are like, yeah, I tried that. It just, I thought it was it, but you know, it just didn't work for me. Okay, so you were a human, you got curious, you had an experience, great, you know? Mm -hmm. But sometimes it's like, this has to be the way it is. This is the way it's going to be, right? I'm like, that's not the answer either. Go give yourself the gentle, beautiful exploration, curious space mm -hmm. to go, I don't know, what if? What does this yeah. look like? What does this feel like? You know, kind of like, what does this sound like when you're writing a song like, Okay, so now that we got the words and the music, does it really go together? You kind of got to let it like play out to figure it all out. And that piece you brought up about it's happening all the time. It never doesn't, it never comes to an end until you're done. And even then I had this conversation with somebody the other day on the podcast about what happens beyond once you've lived this life. I'm like, I don't really know. I'm not going to go debate all this, but here's what I know. Just because I'm gone doesn't mean my queer self is gone. There's too much stuff. There's going to be memories until there is no memory of me. And that's fine too. But certain things, you have music, I have books. You know, there's podcasts that I've often wondered about that. It's like, okay, so once somebody passes, how long does Apple like keep those podcasts up there? You know, I know there's a limit, but it's these interesting pieces of realizing it goes on. Yeah. It all goes on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. What would you like people to most embrace about this first solo project so that it goes on and on for you? Well, I think that there's a lot of space in the songs. And mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of, I think that's part of a product of growing up in a big Western landscape and sort of, experiencing a very small self in the midst of a very big landscape um which i think is kind of a metaphor for being a person in in the world but i hope that people can find quiet spaces in the songs where they feel themselves and if anything i mean truly you know i this this has been such a theme in our conversation but but I hope that people feel really encouraged to do and make and be whomever they want in every second of their one, you know, wild and precious life. Like it's, it's exciting. And, and I do think that we're all creative people. We're all creating all the time. And um, yeah, to just try to get the full full experience and the full mm. spectrum of expression and feeling possible for them in life. 
to get the full expression and experience that's i haven't heard that in a while because if you don't get the full expression and experience of life what the fuck is it for yeah it's true and i think that i think that having to having to come out yeah having to you know i used to have a therapist who said the truth will set you free but first it'll hurt like hell yep. and you know i can imagine in your experience of of coming out later and having to having to come out you know after having a wife and having kids and and really reinventing yourself in a situation um there's got to be the, the opposite side of that liberation is like tons of pain and turmoil and conflict and loneliness and fear and i think that joy and love and freedom you know are made so much more vibrant yeah. from having experienced the 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 opposite side of that which is very dark and very mm -hmm. difficult and and so in that full spectrum of experience you know not fearing those low points, not fearing those bad uh, moments because th there's an opportunity to feel so much more joy if you're willing to go there. And that's the thing. You got to be willing to go there. And I'm not mm -hmm. saying, I don't think either one of us are saying, it's a cakewalk. Go. No. It's so easy <laughs> because it is not by any freaking stretch of the imagination. I mean, even now, I mean, and I don't want to get into too much of the doom and gloom, but you know, as things are like changing very rapidly in our country from abortion rights to, I mean, if we're queer, we don't think our, our rights are on the line. Once again, you're, you're just not paying attention in my book. Right. But, right. but you know, even at that, I'm like, okay, I could cower and, and hide. Or I could go be extra activist out on the streets, not necessarily my nature, but I'm sure the fuck going to use this podcast and what my voice every chance I get to go, you know what? And I think it was um, David Levy from Schitt's Creek. He posted a meme just in the last week that's like, can you imagine the need to regulate who someone loves? That's just, and I'm going to say, it's just really fucked up. That's not exactly what he said, but it was, I'm like, yeah, can you imagine that that's like your biggest priority in life to like dictate who somebody else loves? Really? That's your life goal. Oh my God. What about, hey, I would love to see people not starving. I would love to see people not having to be unhoused. I would love to see people going, I see you. I hear you. I may not agree with you, but you're still a human and you go, go be you. I know that's a real big pipe dream, but these yeah. are the things that I feel like if we, if we don't go back to what you just said, if we don't go experience the full experience and expression of living life, we're actually doing ourselves an injustice. And it's interesting that you brought that up, Alicia, because when I'm coaching people, one of the things I always say is, what will you not experience if you don't? Yeah. It's like, if you did not write the song, what would you not experience? If you did not use your voice as a singer or songwriter, what would you not experience? Totally. If you didn't dye your hair pink, which I love, <laughs> what would you not experience, right? Yeah, it's... you wouldn't know how great it feels to have pink hair. Well, I, I don't even know what it feels to have hair. So, you know, <laughs> hey.
which I love. I I love being bald. It's like, you know what? What I've experienced in being bald is just amazing because, you know, hey, I don't have to fuss with crap. Well, of course, then my clippers just broke this week. I'm like, God dang. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I hate buying hair clippers. Like, oh, God, here we go again. And then my husband's like, um, I also broke the little trimmers yesterday. I'm like, are you freaking serious? <laughs> It's what, like are it you is, trying to ruin me right Right. Now? I'm like, I barely could get my hair trimmed with the little <laughs> clippers. And then, and now that's broke. Okay, great. And we, now we got to go through the pain of all this, right? But this is right. the fun and expression of like fully being in life experience and every bit of it. So, um, yeah. So before we wrap up here, what's next for you? You're going to do one song and you're done. No, I'm kidding. I know that's <laughs> not true. <laughs> no, I I'm I'm like uh in the midst of so many things happening right now, which is extremely exciting. But you know, on the heels of I, I think that it's a testament to the fact that I that I'm on the right path with the solo right. record. Um, because I've just been inundated by new songs and been recording and playing as much as possible. And I'm really excited for the next batch of songs you know it's it's funny to just put an album out and be talking about what, what comes next but I think that's like if you're a songwriter that's the kind yes. of stuff you get really pumped about um yes. but it's been amazing I mean just returning to live performance yep. you know and connecting again with like collective joy and and group energy yes. is super exciting and I f am you know, that's feeding and fueling the new batch of songs that I have coming out. And yeah, it just feels so amazing to connect with mm. people via the songs on First Light and to, to get back out in the world again. So awesome. what's next is just more, 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 more of everything. And what's interesting, Alicia, I at least I believe, is when we step into that space of expressing we want more and we want to experience more that's when the doors open mm -hmm. when we suddenly just show up in life and i've seen myself do it like i mean i'm in the midst of writing well everybody's heard this a million times so i'm editing book number two right now and yes. i bitch about not getting it done and all this sort of stuff but then when i get going on it i'm like okay this becomes easier and then of course as soon as i'm editing i'm like oh i have this other idea for another book you know it's like once you get in the zone things start to happen oh, yeah. and i think this is where us creatives we all get it you know it's like whether it's songs or books or videos or whatever it is once you get in the groove the groove gets in you and off you go. And I'm so glad to hear there's going to be much more to come. And I love, I agree with you. There's something about the synergy. I mean, we're getting ready to go uh, in just a couple of days to Los Angeles to go see Moulin Rouge. I'm just so fucking happy to be back in live theater. Yeah. I still wear a mask because that's the protocol these days, but just, I didn't realize how much I had. I mean, I knew how much I was missing it, but the very first time we went was a year ago, Chris, a year ago Christmas yeah um to LA and we saw a Christmas carol and I almost cried when I sat down in the seat because mm. I'm like oh this is what it feels like to be doing this again you know so I can only imagine for you as a performer the same thing is just like pulsing and like electrifying you and um mm -hmm. 
So keep going and doing what you're doing. Yes. Keep Likewise. bringing what you're, what you're bringing to the world. It needs it right now. So uh, I will. And you too. So if somebody wants to hear the song and everything, where's the best place for them to go find it? The best place for them to go is my website. And that's www.helloiamaliciacraft.com. And my name is spelled A-L-Y-S-I-A. K-R-A-F-T, craft like the mac and cheese, man. That's just, it's inevitable. Perfect, perfect. But, yeah, and check it out will the website. Be, it will be on the web, on our website for Life Uncloseted too, but I always like somebody to say it so that some people are like, okay, mm. I'm just going to go look for it right now. But um, but anyway, thank you again for being cool. an amazing guest and the conversation and doing and bringing into the world what you're bringing and keep go being your badass queer self. Well, thank you so much. You too. I feel really inspired after our combo today. So thanks so much for having me. Hey, 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 Life Uncloseted family. Another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end and it is time for all of us to sashay away and go face our fears, make those bold moves and stand up to living our life without apology. But before you do, I've got a favor to ask of you. Would you hop over to iTunes or Spotify or Podbean or wherever it is that you're listening to this and just give us a little bit of love if you like what we're doing here at Life Uncloseted. Here's what it does. It helps other people find the show. It helps other people get to know what we're all about. And you just might help change a life. In fact, if you really want to change a life, we'd love it if you just ask a friend to take a listen and see what they think. So that's it. Love you all deeply. I'm Rick Clemens, the host of Life Uncloseted. And never stop stepping out, stepping up, and stepping in to living your life uncloseted.